Breakdancing Bushidos, Hip Hop Hakamas, and Sunflower Samurai. We watched Samurai Shampoo and we're here to answer the question, was it a kawaii disappointment? Hello everyone and welcome back to Quiet Disappointment, your weekly journey through the worlds of anime. With you as always is me, your host, producer, weave of all trades, and reserved Ronin, ready to rumble, PJ. And me, a nine foot tall ogre man with a heart of gold, Skylar. And joining us today, returning once again, our Onamusha, who prefers to keep a contemporary, Beck. I'm gonna wash that samurai right out of my hair. With some good old shampoo and shambitioner. <laughs> wow. Well, if that episode title and that wasn't enough of a hit, we are watching Samurai Shampoo today as we continue through Adult Swim Month. Well, Beck, why don't you tell me, based on the name alone, what did you think Samurai Shampoo was going to be about? Okay, so I know what a samurai is. It's, you know, a member of the Japanese warrior class. I don't know what Shampoo is, but obviously... Like I said, it sounds like shampoo. And, you know, different cultures all have different words for shampoo. I think it comes from a Hindi word originally, but in French, it's like it's spelled shampooing, but it's shampoing. So why wouldn't it be about shampoo? So I think this is about a samurai warrior who goes undercover as a hairdresser to get information and defeat his enemies. So like he's infiltrating high society to uncover some sort of dastardly plot. Now, just to, I mean, first of all, I know that this shows my great misunderstanding of culture and samurai and hairdressers <laughs> in in Japan, but that's fine. Well, you know, it's only a samurai shampoo if it comes from the shampoo region of Japan. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a sparkling samurai. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I want to specify that I mean hairdresser, not wig maker, because I know in Rashomon, the wig maker is like taking hair from corpses, and that's not what I mean. What? So this is like <laughs> this is like the samurai is going into wealthy houses and he's doing undercover work because people tell their hairdressers everything. Kind of like you don't mess with a Zohan, but also not at all like you don't mess with a Zohan. I, I haven't seen it, but if most it's people like have this, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Adam Sandler movie where he's like the number one like agent for the Israeli special forces and mm. he just kind of like it's like I don't want to do this anymore and he uh, leaves to America to become a hairdresser oh yeah so exactly like that and maybe you did see it <laughs> well Beck why don't you tell me base I will tell me once you saw the poster did your thoughts change um I am not changing my answer I you're think like they have some good hair I'm like absolutely right this is about a samurai going undercover as a hairdresser and you know it's kind of a weird story for Adult Swim, but I think it's true. I, you know, I respect it. So let's talk about these characters and we'll find out which one's a hairdresser. So let's talk about the man in glasses looking very stoic. Okay, so this is the samurai that's going undercover. He's very clean. He's got a navy. I think it's a yukata. And he has glasses, so he's smart, obviously. And he has two swords. I don't know what they're called, but it, I guess it's probably like the big sword, little sword. Which is a shoto and daito. Exactly. And so the glasses said, make... PJ. Right, exactly. That's <laughs> didn't I say that? <laughs> um the glasses make me think this takes place later, um, like like in the nineteenth century, but I don't know. I don't know everything. And then I think he's probably gonna hide those swords when he's undercover, but keep them in his in his yukata. And I think he takes himself very seriously, but maybe he'll learn to relax as he goes on. Like people will teach him to to let go and 
he can learn that there are ways to have fun too. Okay, okay, I like this. I like this. Uh, tell me about. We'll jump to the right. Uh, the woman in pink. Yeah. So this woman has brown hair put back with two hair sticks, which I think are called kanzashi or something like that. I used to know the names of things like this. Anyway, she has a pink kimono and her hands are up by her face and she looks quizzical. So I think she's a high class woman who like comes by this hair salon and probably like just the historical side of me is like, well, did men do men's hair and women do women's hair? Doesn't matter. So she comes by this salon or room where hair is done and sees him working there and she's like oh he's cool I think he's great and she probably falls in love with him and then feels betrayed when she finds out he's not really a hairdresser I don't think she gets her hair done by him but maybe she works in the salon also I I don't know but I think she is like a higher class person and she looks confused so I don't know that she's like on to his ploy but that's Mm -hmm. what I think is happening here Okay, okay. And then let's wrap it up with the man in the middle with the messy hair in red. Um, this, yeah, this guy has shaggy hair. He's got some stubble, like a pirate shirt, some jade earrings. So he's really rakish, probably scheming. And his hands are even behind his back. So like, what's he hiding? And I think this guy is like more from the underworld. And he, not like the actual underworld, but like the colloquial underworld. He's not dead. I think he's the guy who helps <laughs> helps the samurai sneak into the wealthy people because he's like, oh, schemes? I know schemes. I do this all the time. So he's like the con man who helps himself for the right price. He can facilitate the charade of this samurai shamp- shampoo, which is probably what he calls himself. He does have wig maker from Rashomon vibes, but I don't think he's probably stealing hair from corpses. I do really like his earrings, though. Yeah, I'm excited for the scene where uh, the guy in glasses finally gets to do this guy's hair and it like changes him as a person, you know? Oh, yeah. It probably changes both of them. Yeah, you know, for sure. I've got a new look. I've learned to trust people. It's going to be great. Well, I'm super excited to see that scene. I'm super excited to see this anime that you have pitched us so let's see if that is what we're gonna watch right now why don't we take that amazing theory into our brains and hold on to it while we watch episodes one and two of samurai shampoo audience we implore you to watch them with us as well and we'll be right back samurai shampoo all right, we're back, and we had back watch episodes one and two of Samurai Shampoo. Back, tell me, what did you think? Um, it's not about hair, so far as I can tell from these two episodes, but I thought it was really interesting. I was right that the guy with the glasses is a very serious rule-following samurai, and that the scruffy hair guy is like more relaxed, uh, free, f- yeah, relaxed, free wheeling. Well, rakish was a good word because, like, spoiler, not spoiler, spoiler, not spoiler. He used to be a pirate. Yeah, he he definitely looks like one. I'm into it. Yeah, I love it. I loved your theory. I'm sad it wasn't <laughs> exactly that. I'd still watch that anime, but let's take a quick break to do some housekeeping on this anime. So Samurai Shampoo is an original anime by the legendary Shinichiro Watanabe, known mostly for creating Cowboy Bebop. 
Shinichiro wanted to make something wholly the opposite of Bebop's calm and mature atmosphere, and in contrast to Spike's cool and collected nature, which is how we got Mujin. As opposed to Bebop's blend of space western and jazz, Champloo blended Edo-era Japan with hip-hop. Watanabe has this beautiful quote on what inspired him to lean so heavily into hip-hop, so I'm just going to share that. The fact that it was born not in the music industry, but on the street. The idea of using a turntable as an instrument, singing vividly about reality instead of typical love songs, and its links to graffiti and dance. I believe samurai in the Edo period and modern hip-hop artists have something in common. Rappers opened the way to their future with one microphone, and samurai decided their fate with one sword. And I just think that's like a super cool line. Hell yeah. Uh, the series was directed by Shinichiro and produced by Studio Man Globe for Fuji TV and ran from May 2004 to March 2005 for 26 total episodes. Alongside the anime, a manga adaptation was released concurrently, running in monthly Shonen Ace for two volumes. There's also a PS2 video game based on the series and four released soundtracks. With that, let's jump into episode one and two. In episode one, Fu, a waitress tired of being harassed by the village's prefect's son, convinces a rakish warrior Mujin to confront him. Across town, skilled Ronin Jin kills the prefect's bodyguards as they prepare to kill a peasant. Jin enters a restaurant where Mujin mistakes him for the prefect's elite bodyguards and seeking a worthy adversary engages him in combat. The restaurant burns to the ground and the local authorities capture both men and sentence them to death. After escaping their execution with Fu's help, she convinces the two to join her on a quest to find a samurai who smells of sunflowers. In episode 2, having had his arm sliced off by Mujin in the restaurant, Ryujiro, a bodyguard for the prefect's son, seeks revenge and sends over two assassins. To Jin, he sends over Inuyama, who turns out to be a terribly skilled assassin. To Mujin, he first has him seduced and poisoned by a local woman before he is to face Oniwakamura, a large ogre-like man, who has supernatural strength and the furious look of a demon. Fu gets kidnapped by Ryujiro, while the two face each of their assassins. Fu develops a bond with Oniwakamura. Jim seems outclassed, but is spared by the death of Ryujiro at the hands of Oniwakamura when he threatens Fu. As Ryujiro dies, Mujin takes his chance to end Oniwakamura, who dies with no regrets thanks to Fu's kindness. And that's episode one and two of Samurai Champloo. Yeah, so I the thing you said about them wanting this to be sort of hip-hop based and have more of that, I mean, that was clear right from the beginning, from the music to the sort of graffiti-looking writing. And then also just it's gonna probably come up a lot but just the styling of everybody in this like I really liked how Mujin was wearing his geta without socks and he had like tattoos on his wrists and there were lots of people with rings and eyebrow eyebrow piercings yeah and that one guy had the sort of half bleached top of his hair which felt very 90s cool guy to me no for sure which is I mean something that going back to Shinichiro Watanabe like he's really good at blending genres and I I don't know if you've ever seen Cowboy Bebop back. No. I'm surprised just because just I know Dane really likes it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming he also really likes Samurai Shampoo too, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. But so Cowboy Bebop is really so it's I mean, I think what Shinichiro does really well is tell is make a cool atmosphere. But he does it so differently between Bebop and Shampoo because Bebop is a space western, right? Which is, mm-hmm. uh, he's he was still pretty new to that genre, but like he blends jazz and jazz aesthetics so beautifully into that world. And it, it like, it reads in every sign and every character and everything. And I think he does the same thing here with hip hop where he just blends the two so wonderfully. Yeah, it's so seamless. It is. And I, I you know, at first I was like, okay, so maybe this is like 19. 19- 19th century, you know, maybe closer to the 20th century, you know, 
know, there's still samurai and all this. And and then I was like, you know what? I don't think that they're really that worried about historical accuracy here. I think that the atmosphere feels very period, you know, appropriate. But I also think that the touches here and there of everything and even the, the very beginning where they do the rewind and they go all the way to the streets of today. I thought that was really cool. I love that. To your point about them not super caring about historical accuracy, there, there's that frame at the beginning of episode one that says, this work of fiction is not an accurate historical portrayal. Mm-hmm. And then it's and then it says, it has another frame, and it says, like we care, now shut up and enjoy the show. <laughs> and that is such, that is like Mujin's energy, right? The like, I literally don't care. Mujin Definitely. is such an unapologetic asshole, but like in a very likable way. Yeah, I really, I didn't expect to like him for from his like very first introduction but then as the two episodes progress i think he's very interesting yeah it just it starts out and you know with this execution and then goes back in time and we go to this tea house and i just wrote the past is garbage because <laughs> like this guy's sitting there being a total jerk but then i was like wait a second people are still jerks to servers and restaurants like yeah uh- <laughs> It's not super different, unfortunately. (laughs) And then I couldn't tell if the women he was with were supposed to be sex workers or not because the costume designer in me was like, oh, well, their obis are tied in the front and that's usually like a courtesan thing. And then I was like, stop it. Stop thinking about this. Like, this is No, but I think you're right because like he was even bored with them and was like mentioning it. But also they had the hairstyle. That was correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be like somewhere in the middle. I think it was somewhere in the middle because when we get actual sex workers later in the series, it's very clear. Like it's very, like yeah these are sex workers oh okay and uh you kind they have a very similar like geisha aesthetic to these but Mm -hmm. it wasn't played up the same way so like i could see it being something where he's just like flaunting his money by being like i'm gonna touch your boobs while i'm eating you know okay yeah i couldn't tell because i was my first thought was like oh my gosh what are they having me watch here like (laughs) these guys are so gross (laughs) yeah and i mean you know and this is something that i really like about foo is that like she's so quick to action Mm -hmm. and like the second that they're just being dicks like all she wants to do is go out there and confront them and people just keep having to stop her yes yeah she's great i really also just like the kind of corruption of power thing that they keep playing with in episode mm-hmm. one and two you know like especially in episode one you have a lot of the stuff with the uh, the governor and his son kind of just being like well i have power i have power i have power and that's the thing that comes up a lot throughout the show and I say this with the very first perspective because I had never actually seen this show. I'd always oh. heard about it. And of course, Cowboy Bebop was one of my favorite animes of all time. And I always knew this existed, but I just never picked it up until I watched it for this. And I ended up just not stopping after episode oh, wow. two. <laughs> I was thoroughly shocked when he told me that because, uh, yeah, because what he said, he does love Cowboy Bebop so much. And um, it was like on Adult Swim constantly. I have watched so many episodes of this show just because I was like waiting for like Inuyasha or <laughs> you know other things blah 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 full metal yeah I like all of all of your adult swim stories about like waking up to different shows or waiting <laughs> watching shows so that you could get to the show you wanted <laughs> <laughs> this always seemed like filler to me like at the time it was just not something I was interested in like I thought food was really hot but like that was mm. kind of like Meh. I liked it, but like it wasn't something I sought out. And like rewatching it, I was like, damn, this is really good. And like I liked Cowboy Bebop. It's not like I wouldn't put it on 
like myself, but like I would continue watching this, like no problem. You know, and I know I would have been obsessed with this because I mean, even to this day, I think hip hop is still my like hip hop is probably my favorite genre of music. But especially at the time, I was really into like a lot of more of the hip hop that this show has, which is like the softer, more storytelling, but like it's deeper stuff. And especially like the underground scene, which like, you know, like artists like and I know that both of you are probably gonna be like, I don't know who you're talking about. That's fine. But like artists like Tumex and Dilated Peoples and Visionaries, like that's this this genre of hip hop to a T. And that's mm. who I was obsessed with at this time. So like I would have eaten this up. But I just I think at one point one of my friends was like, Oh, it's not as good as Bebop. And I just was like, then I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> oh yeah. I and see I that, like regret like... that. Obviously, like it was oh. just a, a choice that young PJ made that I'm like, well, I would have really <laughs> loved this. But honestly, getting to watch this 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 past weekend in preparation for this obviously watching episode one and two again now (laughs) was very enjoyable yeah well and and the hip-hop thing is what's so cool about it is that it really is in all scenes it's not thrown in there kind of so it doesn't jar yeah it doesn't it's not jarring it it like it fits but also it's everywhere even the sort of cut scenes have that like the record like scratching oh my god (laughs) Whatever what, it is. Wait, it, Beck, what did it do? Wicka wicka. Right? <laughs> yes. You know, those sounds. You know, we've all we all know the sounds. Right. <laughs> oh, the other thing I wrote down uh was there's blood in this. Like we had we watched Trigun, which was had swearing but it didn't have blood and this one has swearing and blood and like a lot of swearing yeah Yeah. lots and lots of swearing like i wasn't ready for and like obviously like i have no problem with swearing i don't think most people do but like as soon as he was like shut up you son of a bitch i was like oh my god (laughs) what is this (laughs) clutching my pearls and then he like sliced the dude's arm off and i was like clutching them even tighter (laughs) yeah yeah lots of blood it was very i mean obviously this is a cartoon but it was that sort of cartoony splatter of blood that you see a lot in like tarantino or even um the suicide squad like that kind of gore i mean not that amount but that projectiles of right yeah just like the blood spray for sure Mm -hmm. i was gonna say and you could see like that inspiration like obviously not tarantino specifically but like they clearly both have that same inspiration of like old samurai movies that were just so over the top and dramatic Mm -hmm. uh and stuff like that so like it definitely carries over and really neat speaking of samurai movies really neat fight choreography oh for sure very cool fights and a lot of it was done through through bars or through slats in the roof or down from the ceiling so it was also really great angles on the fights so they were compelling. I really liked the fighting in the fire, too. They're, like, so tough and so stubborn that they're like, oh, the building's coming down around me? I don't care. I'm going to stay in this fight. You should, too. Well, <laughs> and that's, like, what I really love. And this was also a thing that Chinichito was really trying to do was because while there is, like, a whole crew in Bebop, he wanted to have a, like, multiple main characters in this because the main character of Bebop is Spike Spiegel. He right. wanted there to not just be one main character here and I think that's really accomplished really well. Like, Fu is, I still think, maybe a, tr- a secondary character. She's a main mm-hmm. character but she's not the main character but Jin and Mujin are both the main characters. She's like the opinion. plot device, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, she, and especially like watching more episodes, like, she, what I really love is again, like, she never has to be, like, taken care of by them. Like, even in episodes, like, 
again, not a spoiler, not spoiler, like where she's kidnapped or taken. Like she always kind of gets out of it on her own and then like meets back up with them. Like it ends up being like her own like side story. Hmm. What I really like is that we do still get Fu because Fu is kind of like something that Beck brought up in her prediction is like is okay being in this world, but she is not a part of this world. She's like our proxy of like just not being ready for kind of everything that's happening. Okay. Whereas Jin and Mujin have are both very closely tied to this world. And I mean, Jin more in like the practical, which kind of comes up in his fight with Inuyama when Inuyama is like, mm, it's different than fighting in a dojo, isn't it? Yeah. I was surprised. I wrote, cause I, you know, I had my whole like Jin is the honorable one. Mujin is the, is the rakish ruffian guy. But then after the first fight, when Jin picked up that guy's money, I was like, oh, not entirely honorable. Like he's not... <laughs> It's not yeah, he's, saving people necessarily. He's more ideal than honorable. Yeah. And speaking of Inuyama, though, also, I love that he was totally trying to hook up with Jin before killing him. Yeah. When he's definitely. like, the Firefly thing. Fireflies sometimes attract other male fireflies. And Jin's like, all right, I'm going to go now. But was that like the same thing that was happening with Mugen with the that woman of the night? I don't think so because uh, Inuyama does seem like an honorable fighter. Like even when he did like the killing of Jin, like when he was gonna try to kill Jin, he wasn't like I'm just gonna kill you. Like he didn't tap him in the back. He's like, all right, let's have a fight. Yeah, I was a little bit nervous when he was talking about the male attracting male fireflies because you know 90s cartoons and even 2000s cartoons aren't like especially sensitive to any sort of not heterosexuality but they kind of just let it go like it he said it Jin was yeah. uncomfortable and then like that was it yeah and I was like, like okay Ooh, okay <laughs> in a 90s kind of setting like you would have him like oh I'm gonna fight you that's so gross blah 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 yeah, yeah. Jin was like not my cup of tea I'm gonna leave <laughs> Yeah, because you made it a little weird, but I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked their fight too through all the bamboo. Yeah, just like the way that he was taunting him, but not not in a cruel way, just like a you know I'm here to kill you and I'm better and I know it kind of a way. Right. But the second that the one armed guy died, he was like, "Up, that was my contract. Bye." And that's why you brought me on this one for the contract. (laughs) Contract for the contract. I was like, there it is. You're like, I haven't heard any paperwork brought up yet. I know. Very brutal business, though, this assassin life. Probably pays well, though. Probably. Although, did he get paid up front? Because if not, that sucks. No, he didn't. That's why he stopped. That's why he was like, oh, well, I'm not being paid to do this anymore. (laughs) It's his business, obviously, but maybe half up front would be a good idea. Maybe he did it. He's like, well, I've had half a fight. (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) Uh, i do really love the like kind of mini story we get with ono wakamura Mm -hmm. of like him i mean obviously having like a very like frankenstein-y story like the Mm -hmm. misunderstood monster person but like i mean he's not even like frankenstein in like like frankenstein's monster in the whole like actually being a monster he's just literally tall and like not and attractive and so like everyone is like a mo- like terrible to him phantom of the opera like oh don't look at my face mm-hmm. yeah because even he i thought that was maybe gonna be just for food but he also did it for mugen yeah mm-hmm. the second mugen saw his face he was like don't look at me yeah it was really sad really really very sad yeah especially when he died but like and you know because again that's like that thing where like mugen a lot throughout the series does a lot of ch- a lot of things where you're like i 
don't necessarily love that you did that. Definitely. I I was I know they had it end up be like, oh, at least someone was nice to me. I'm ready to go. But I was I was struck by like, well, that wasn't necessary. You could have him come with you. Like you could have a third member of your band who is willing to fight for you and you guys could be nice to him forever. (laughs) (laughs) Just be nice to him forever, guys. No, I I mean, but I also get it right. Like as much as like Fu is like yelling stop, like Mujin doesn't know the context at all that's know? true he doesn't know all he knows that, is that he tried to kill him he all he knows is that he was successfully trying to kill him you know <laughs> yeah so like i get it but at the same time like again Mu- throughout the series i really love mujin isn't always making the right call he's not doing the honorable thing he's not like a lot of you know like pirates or like ruffians in shows that are the main characters where like every action is done with a heart of gold because right. he doesn't necessarily have a heart of gold. I like his sword, though. The upturned hilt thing. That's yeah. kind of cool. He's got a cool sword. He's, his styling is just really cool. Yeah. His hair is amazing. Yeah, and he kind of has... I mean, they're not, but he had sort of this like board shorts vibe to me. <laughs> and it was like, he's he does a surfer seem like a, pirate. Like a really aggressive surfer. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously we didn't really get it in episode one and two too much, but I also really like that throughout the series, there are a lot of predominantly featured black characters. Oh, that's neat. Because like, I mean, again, they're borrowing so much from the hip hop aesthetic. So like, I appreciate that they do that. But I even Mujin feels like a little, a little black coated. Yeah. That's interesting. When I... I didn't write it down in my notes, but when I was looking at them, I was like, well, the other two are really, really light skinned and he's darker skinned. And so is this like denoting class? Because in old school Japan and other places, it was like, oh, if you are darker skinned, it's because you work. And if you're lighter skinned, it's because you don't. And we like people who don't work, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, you know, is this them telling us that he is lower class than everyone else but that's the coded that's really interesting i didn't think about that yeah it's just something that like i don't know just a lot about his character feels like it's kind of leaning there but uh, obviously Hmm. not as strongly as some other characters that we've talked about on this podcast being like really black coded before Mm -hmm. i thought like when i was in high school i thought he was hispanic you know i respect that too he because he's like brown you know shut up bj what i mean that honestly he kind of looks hispanic because he's brown uh and i mean we talked about it very briefly but like i also just love that he has a breakdancing style to his sword fighting and they never call it that right because it's not like breakdancing is established in this world but they you know it comes up a lot whenever he's fighting where they're like oh you just do very sporadic and untrained things and that's why it's hard for people to fight you because they just can't predict what you're about to do yeah i like the credit that jin's just like you're the most undisciplined fighter i've ever fought and the only one i haven't been able to beat yeah because if you're expecting somebody to fight by the rules then you're expecting something and if you're you know fighting against the rules then they can't anticipate what you're gonna do it's smart it is completely that unexpectedness uh it's kind of like uh moon knight in marvel comics who i mean will soon be coming to the silver screen with his disney plus series Mm. moon knight is crazy like literally like he has like usually multiple like uh dissociative personality disorder sometimes schizophrenia and stuff like that and he's also just he has no sense of self-preservation and he's unpredictable so like taskmaster who we all kind of know from the black widow movie but like in the comics is just naturally has the ability to like predict people's movements like will not ever copy Moon Knight's movements because he knows he'll die because Moon Knight literally has no sense to the things he does and no, and no sense of self-preservation. And I feel like that's a pretty apt description of Mujin too. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, wow, yeah. That's such an interesting fighting style to not take care of for your own well-being. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what helped my well-being was how cute Momo was. Yes. Oh, my God. When I saw Momo, oh, oh my God, he's so cute. Yeah, Momo's so adorable. I thought it was a sugar glider, but a flying squirrel makes more sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, it might be. I don't know. No, it's a flying squirrel because Momo is short for Momonga, which is a flying squirrel, which is flying squirrel in Japanese, which is also where we get the name of Momo from Avatar The Last Airbender. That was where my brain immediately went. I was like, oh, Momo, like Avatar. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay, all cute things are named Momo. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that that, like weird demon bird thing? That demon bird person statue that was going around and like on like WhatsApp and terrorizing kids in 2018? If you want to see like something a little freaky, look up Momo statue. PJ literally could not have it like... Could not see it. He yeah, free. I was mean, like, in do general, not show it. Do not I'm be on my such phone. Such a scaredy cat. Like looking at it doesn't scare me, but then like it gives a face to like. Because I have like really bad like oh I'm walking alone at night and like there's gonna be like a monster chasing me and like my heart just starts racing. There's something behind you vibes, you know. And when I see something scary, like say like I happen to see a picture of Jeff the Killer or Momo, then it gives face to that, which makes it ten times scarier for me. I'm a scaredy oh, cat. No. I accept this about myself. <laughs> I don't have great abilities to compartmentalize myself, so I might not Google this. <laughs> <laughs> see, respectful, respectable, respectful. Yeah, I was just talking about how PJ is very imaginative and um, I cannot talk about ghosts or anything scary at night because then we have to sleep with the lights on. And (laughs) I was just like, and that drives me insane. Yeah, Yeah, I'm okay during the day. If I if I see something scary or hear a scary story during the day, I'm usually okay if there's enough time before bedtime but if i hear a scary story or or watch something scary close to bed i'm like oh well i'm not sleeping tonight so that's fine yeah 100 percent. i'm the same wide way. awake and then sometimes i'm not lucky and i'll be like oh now you're thinking about it even though it was daytime yeah i <laughs> yeah. hate when i'm like about to fall asleep like it's like about to hit and my brain is like be really fucked up of that scary thing was right in front of you right now and then i like have to like like my eyes like shoot open because i'm like what if it is and then like i'm like just staring without my glasses on at like the doorway being like is there something there is there something there and then i have to like turn on my light and then i'm like but now if i turn off the light i'm welcoming it in so then i just have to turn on lights i know that i'm a scaredy cat i expect accept this about myself (laughs) yeah my my brain's like hey remember every scary story to tell in the dark like right now and i'm like oh no <laughs> not today the only time i get like really freaked out for some reason and pj can attest to this is like i don't think about like hands grabbing me or anything Ugh. but i always think especially when we had one of uh the ghost that was sitting on top of the armoire from the conjuring that fills me with so much dread and anytime i feel scared or anything i'm thinking about that ghost that was on the armoire and we used to have an armoire and i I used to freak out and pj had to like do pj stuff i don't know it just freaked me out gosh i agree though back to uh samurai shampoo a lot of the lines were laugh out loud funny i i thought trigun was funny but this like i actually laughed out loud like when they were fighting in the fire that made me laugh and then also when one of them 
like lit on fire or something and he was like god damn that's cold yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you lit assholes. On fire. well i also love that he like hallucinated gin in like a tub and then when he was like i had the weirdest dream and he's like it wasn't I a wrote dream it down. we were on fire and he's like were you also in a tub and Jen's like that was a dream excuse yeah, me I... he was in a tub with his junk hanging out that's with his true thing hanging that's out. true yeah. I wrote it down. We rewound so I could write it down because I was like, that was hilarious. That yeah. was so funny. And like, there's also just random things that like, again, because like that when that first happened, when he was in the tub, I was like, what a weird choice. But then it was like, oh, no, that was just like for laughs. And it was the same thing where like in the scene when Fu is going to try to save Jin and Mujin. And I was like, did the animators just get really pervy and were like, we're going to make Fu's boobs really big out of nowhere. Uh- yeah. And I was like, how weird. What a weird choice. And then when it, they revealed it was the bombs, I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, same. I was like, oh, come on, guys. And then when it was the bombs, I was like, nope, that's funny. I like that. I was like, <laughs> what awkward boob physics, too. Like, she would be in so much pain <laughs> if they were bouncing like that. No, that did not look comfortable. It was a very Acme moment. Oh, for sure. I also wrote down, uh, I'm not bald. This is a hairstyle. Oh, yeah, because it is. (laughs) It is. (laughs) (laughs) And gosh, you know, props, though. (laughs) Props. Not props, but props to the governor's son for being like the only person that, while he did try to cut off Fu's arm, didn't immediately try to sexually assault her. Yeah, because yeah. every other guy she encounters throughout the series is like, oh, you want something? How about we sex? Yeah, yeah. The guy guarding the gate, I was like, Bleh. no. Yeah, I mean, in general, I also just I kept saying it while we were wa- while I was watching it. But I was like, man, this anime is just so cool. Like everything about it just oozes cool. Even like Jin has like that that coolness that comes from like you know i'm forgetting his name but skylar and our listeners might be able to pick up on who i'm talking about but like the the tax man quote unquote from jujutsu kaisen oh yeah you know like the i am very you know and they always have like glasses or something and it's like i'm very reserved but it's because like i know everything about everything kind of guy i love how cool Jin is because that character could be played up to be like the the stick in the mud but he's not he's very you know moral and very interesting and very strong and it even continues throughout the series for my shoujo fans we'd call him kiyoya from host club Exactly, Akioya for sure. But I just, I like how cool he is. I like how cool Mujin is. Even Fu, like, has, like, this very, like, understated coolness because, like, of her spunkiness. And then just the setting. The setting is sick. Yeah, Fu's not waiting to be saved, which is pretty cool. She's she's figuring it out herself and also, like, finding people who can help her. Mm-hmm. I like that Jin knows everything. He'll, like, spew out facts when somebody says something wrong. So it's, like, Hermione Grangery. And I was like, that's fun. And I really like his voice. I don't know who the voice actor is, but Jin's voice is really cool. Jin's voice is really good. Mujin's voice is my, my personal favorite. A lot of people's personal favorite anime voice actor. <laughs> Is he in Korra? He is. He's a mon in Korra. Mm. Yeah, which is uh, Steve Bloom, who also voices the lead Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop. So he's al- always in the Shinichiro Watanabe shows. I don't know if he has a role in Space Dandy, but he might. But he just has such a like, like, and in Mujin, he plays him a lot. He does his voice a lot gruffer, but especially mm. as like Spike, he's like smooth as butter, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, there, it's it's good voice acting all around. Um, I like that the whole ogre thing was clearly a trap. Like from the beginning, I was like, well, this is a trap. Like yeah. all of this is a trap. <laughs> that woman's a trap. All of this is a trap. <laughs> um, I felt like a lot uh, similarly to um Trigun that the design of the villains were kind of gruesome. Like all of the villains have sort of scary faces compared to the very smooth faces of our heroes. Mm-hmm. Right. They definitely say bitch a lot in this show. <laughs> they do. Wow. They say bitch, son of a bitch, <laughs> like a- any any variation of bitch. They they got it. Yeah, they're all there. It's all mock. Oh, I absolutely hundred percent loved that Mugen did not remember the one armed man. I know. It's like you cut off his arm like loved it. Lo- like last episode. It was not that long ago. <laughs> it was hilarious and also such he a cuts burn. Off a lot of people's arms. Peter. Oh, it's like that. It's like that clip from Batman Beyond where uh, Terry as Batman confronts uh, like the glowing skull guy and he's like and the glowing skull guy's like who are you and he's like you killed my father and he's like do you have any idea how little that narrows things down yeah (laughs) I have so many important fights you do not even make top 10 like that wasn't even a fight I just cut off your arm like what do you want from me here you were just there I thought we were done but (laughs) Uh, yeah no again Everything about it's so funny. It's so cool. I also love the the idea of like someone who smells of sunflowers, and I like the question of like, yeah. what do sunflowers even smell like? Because I was Very like, what specific. do sunflowers even smell like? Also, I, I, again, spoiler, not spoiler, but it's like high key implied in episode three that because Fu is looking for someone with sunflowers, she inspires this one guy to make sunflower art, and that sunflower art is the art that it's that it inspires Vincent Van Gogh. To draw his sunflower art. Ah, full circle. That's really cool. What a fun little thing. Yeah, the again, like they they do play a lot with like slight rewrites of history, and they never do rewrites. It's always like you never hear about this part because like why would you hear about this part of history? You know, it's like Back to the Future. Yeah, and it's I don't know. I really That's like cool. the I like the way they play with things in this show. It's just so cool. It was as cool in everything it does. But speaking of how cool the series is, we can't talk about the cool without talking about the music of Samurai Champloo. Oh, hell yeah. So the music of the series uh, was created by a group of producers. So Japanese hip-hop producer Tsuchi of the Japanese rap group Shaka Zombie, uh, American hip-hop producer and MC Fat John of the rap group 5Ds, and Japanese hip-hop producer Nujabe, and Japanese DJ and production duo Force of Nature all collaborated to make the sound of Samurai Champloo. And it just works out so well just it all like blends together so well like and they had like a very you know they had a very common goal which was kind of like the the thing that they say that chinchito says about it, is like this art form turns past music into new and edgy music so they sampled a mm-hmm. lot of old uh jidaigeki music which is you know japanese historical dramas like they they sample they sampled a lot of what the genre was as well as like some of like the instruments from jidaigeki stuff and mixed it with hip-hop and it just it ends up again Again, making this really cool amalgamation of Edo era Japan with hip hop. It was so seamless. Like nothing felt out of place. The yeah. the Japanese style music mixed with the hip hop was so well done and it really fit with the show as well. Oh, you could tell that it was really purposefully done and, and with a lot of love. Yeah, he literally said he wanted the visuals and the music to compete in a 50-50 ratio was his goal in every scene. It, he succeeded. Yeah, I think so too. 
But all of the general music, again, all so good aside, why don't we talk about the opening and outro song for Samurai Champloo? So both songs are produced by Nujabe, who is one of the producers that we had, uh, but obviously with different singers. R.I.P., honestly, that was a a sad loss for the Japanese music scene. Mm. But uh, our opening song is Battle Cry by Shing O2. what did you think of that opening i i liked it i thought it went really well i thought that the visuals in it with the kind of mix of the woodblock print style plus anime plus more contemporary looking things uh set the scene for what we were going to be looking at and i thought that that it all went together really well yeah this really felt like i honestly i i don't have enough research to link anything here but what we have here with music really feels like what probably became some of the birth of the lo-fi the japanese lo-fi hip-hop genre that's literally Mm. what i was thinking like it feels i mean i know it's so much earlier than a lot of what ended up becoming that genre and it feels so indicative of what that genre became and it's just so good it's it's a banger honestly this um like so many episodes <laughs> this past month this song i feel like was constantly in the background anytime i had adult swim on i feel like they used it for the promos and it oh, literally was did. just like I'm pretty positive playing constantly yeah it's it's really good and it's not too much like where it's like because they could have you know had something more intense hip-hop but it's very lo-fi it's very just kind of easing you in and kind of being like look it's really cool it's really different but like it's not jarring in any way uh, and I think they, they did a good job with an intro for this our outro song is Shiki no Uta by Minmi What did you think of that one? Also very 90s, sort of a more pop R&B uh, style. Again, the the end had that same mix of, of the woodblock print style and the anime style. And uh, it, again, it was really neat. Yeah, I really like it. It's like a good slowdown because again both all, every episode that i've seen so far because i haven't like finished 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 the series but i'm like pretty mm. close because uh, again i started watching it uh, to do research for this episode and then i just didn't stop <laughs> <laughs> kind of starts off a little slow gets into its action gets into its hype and unless it's a two-parter or a three-parter, it kind of has like a wind down by the end. So having like the chill opening and the chill outro really kind of gives you really good bookends to the intensity of the show. Or a sandwich. Mm. Or um. bread on a sandwich, yes. <laughs> Honestly, um, the song is so mellow. I really felt like I was like in a coffee shop. Oh, yeah, I could okay. see like I could see like a coffee, you know, hipstery coffee shop having like a lounge singer singing this. Mm, I want to go there. (laughs) Yum. Uh, I love it. So let's jump in then to what modern or contemporary artist do you think would have done a good job with these anime intros and outros? Beck, why don't you kick us off with Battle Cry? So I just went with my gut, which is probably like not my my knowledge of hip hop isn't uh, extensive and um, but anyway, I went with Eminem because that's someone I know, and it was like 
mm, it was it didn't sound like rap that wouldn't have been on the radio it didn't sound like too um obscure uh rap to me so i just went with eminem who i don't know it sounded like i i know it probably wasn't but i know it, it just sounded like him to me i know i know it I wasn't eminem like, but what i mean is it sounded like a white guy <laughs> yeah. yeah i could kind of see that it's a it would have yeah it's not his style but it's like something that you could feasibly hear him sing yeah right skylar what about you uh okay so the reason why i was giggling earlier was because i like kept bouncing from fat john to like other things even though fat john does not sing this song and or produce it so basically the way i like did the research for this is i just typed in lo-fi um rap artists and like just went through like different playlists and stuff and like what do i feel is right like vibe wise uh, I went with Chester Watson, and then like voice wise, I went with Logic, which like kind of sucks because Logic doesn't have that vibe, but his voice matches so well, and I think he would do a really good job. Wow, uh, this is like you know, and I think I knew this was gonna happen just because like neither of you know hip hop that well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I'm like, how dare Logic you, and Eminem? That's where we're going, huh? <laughs> well, I also said Chester Watson. If you want, I can call Dane over and he'll tell you something more legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you guys won't know mine, so it's fine. Uh, but if you, if any of our listeners want to check them out uh, after this, I would highly recommend. This is one of my favorite bands of the era, uh, or like hip-hop groups of the era. This is very much like breakout underground hip-hop artists, Dilated Peoples. Dilated Peoples, a uh, hip-hop trio from this time in hip-hop. Very good. It's a really good... <laughs> cool name when i was looking up the reddit post of like lo-fi rappers that was like the first one at the top of the list and i was like i don't know who that is i, don't think, I mean <laughs> hey, and people's is like again very early like it's pre-lo-fi mm-hmm. so you know they kind of were uh, also very big influencers of this style a lot of early early underground hip-hop was you know underground hip-hop wasn't like anything you were hearing in the mainstream like a dr dre or nwa or soup dog you know any of like the big players at the time it was a lot more like melodic and storytelling Mm -hmm. and so i think that's a lot of where the inspiration for this came from so Mm. dilated people now I know you said Snoop Dogg, but it definitely sounded like Soup Dogg, and <laughs> I love it. It's S O U P D O double G. Soup Dogg, are they new? I mean, that's when he changed to Snoop Lion. This time he's Soup Dogg. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> because he's starting to sell soup on Grubhub, like every other With, uh, celebrity. Martha With Martha Stewart. Yeah, yeah, it's like how every other celebrity, like, you know, they have George Lopez tacos and Mr. Beast Burger. <laughs> I didn't know there's George Lopez tacos. There are are they good? I haven't had them. <laughs> you would have had them too if I'd had them. Choo choo. All right, so let's move to that opening song. I feel like we're all gonna. I feel like you guys will have more bases for this one for sure. Um, so let's move to Shiki no Uta. I'll go first because I'm like embarrassed with my choice, but I went with Nora. Uh, Nora Jones. Nora Jones isn't bad at all. Again, it just made me feel like it was like in a coffee shop and like it's an enjoyable experience for me. So it's not like uh, it was like a Starbucks thing. It was like early Starbucks when they used to play like indie bands when and stuff. When you used to like, get like the, the song of the, the week. Give the CDs. You had yeah. The, the free iTunes download of the week. I miss that. This was the free iTunes download of the week. <laughs> uh, what about you, <laughs> Beck? Um, I went with Jennifer Lopez. 
okay. I definitely wow. hear that too. We're in that, uh, like, you know, the, the hip hop R&B, like the R&B hip hop pop era for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that was what it sounded like to me. Uh, I went with Aaliyah. Oh yeah, yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that would be beautiful. Uh, and Aaliyah, you know, definitely did, again, also R.I.P. R.I.P. Aaliyah. Always R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think she did a little bit more uh, a more rap-ish hip-hop than this. But, like, I think she was close enough to the style that it would have really worked. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. She was so good. Awesome. I Yeah, again, I knew the closing would tie us a little bit more together. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, like, specifically, if you had my love, kind of that. Whatever yeah, era that no, was, for sure. that was, that was where I was going. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I love it. I love those artists. Love your guys' thoughts on the music. So why don't we take one final break to get some additional context, see some additional clips, and then we'll return with Beck's closing thoughts and our closing segments. So stay tuned, everyone. All right, we're back. We had Beck watch some additional context, see some additional clips, see some additional sword fights, some additional constant swear words. <laughs> Beck, tell me after all that, what did you think of Samurai Shampoo? Oh, I think it's going to be really interesting. It's it's seems really complicated, and we're going to meet a lot of people from uh, both Mugen and Jin's pasts. We're going to get in bigger scrapes. We're going to have more executions that probably don't happen. But uh, I it. It seems like it's really complicated, but very cool. And crucifixions. Yeah, more crosses. Lots of crucifixion. I mean, I, I expected <laughs> zero crosses, and we saw three crosses, so that's definitely uh, more crosses in general. Well, they did say Western influences and Europeans. That's true. People, uh, they talked about Western Europeans. They talked about people being out out of the area and coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it was a lot of interesting stuff. And again, that, that influence of American culture is definitely there. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. Tell me back through everything. Did you end up with a favorite character? So I think that I enjoy Mujin more, but I think I like Jin better. Mm. And especially, Jin is also my favorite yeah, character. Yeah, especially the like romantic storyline we saw that's coming up mm-hmm. and his kind of boss fights with the with his past and um more of his background um him coming up on the hill with like half his yukata off and like hair flowing i was like oh yeah that's it we're done i'm good that was sexy (laughs) yeah no it was pretty hot super hot the sexiest part uh skylar what about you oh it's mugen i knew you were gonna say that you cheap yeah well he's sexy pirate man Oh yeah, Mugen, Mugen is Mugen, Mugen, whatever. Uh, it's really great. Yeah, he is. Uh, and, I and his, do love him. His stuff was really great too, and and like when he does the whole like white fang thing with Fu, <laughs> like go on, get. <laughs> I yeah, was like, hey, I look thought at, it was so funny. He's uh, he's getting some honor or at least some allegiance anyway. I like that it's like an unlikely pair, but he is always going to save Fu. It's cute. Yeah. They do seem to get into scrapes, these little scamps. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, with that, with your uh, your thoughts, your favorite character, you know, uh, this this show plays around a lot with kind of like samurai and bushido ideologies 
you know, it it brings into question a lot of what makes a samurai, right? Like, because mm-hmm. you know, you have the seven virtues of Bushido. You have like integrity, respect, courage, honor, compassion, honesty, and loyalty. And it it puts a lot of that, like, what is integrity? Like, is it doing what's best for you? Is it doing what's best for people? What is that courage? What is that honesty? But it also asks the most important question, which is, Beck, would you continue watching Samurai Shampoo? I would. Yay. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, when the show first started, episode one started, I was like, uh, I don't know. But especially having made it through episode two and then seeing all the context, I'm very curious. Awesome. You love to see it. A kawaii <laughs> success in the book. I'm sure Dane will be more than happy to hear that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to watch it without him. Just to, no. <laughs> just to spite just him. To spite. Just to spite him. That's what he gets. <laughs> I don't know what he did, but that's what he gets. <laughs> Poor Dane. Uh, but I love it. I love it. I love it. Closing thoughts. Favorite character. Kawhi success in the book, which means there's only one thing left to do. Is there an AMV for that? AMV. Anime music videos. Is there an AMV for that? All right, back At this point, you know the game. Give me your song and artist for Samurai Shampoo. All righty. Here it goes. I went with Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, Beck, there is not an AMV for uh, for Samurai Shampoo to Beastie Boys Sabotage, but there are AMVs to Beastie Boys song. There's one to Now Get Busy and to Check It Out. So that's still two points in the book for you. Well, Beck, you were robbed. You were right. And this is all illegal. Let's see if we can get some more points. PJ, song, artist, anime, Samurai Champloo. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with what I think a song and style and a band that is very influenced by the same influences as this show. So I'm going to go with Protect Your Neck by Wu-Tang Clan. Ooh. Okay. Okay. You know, the first band to really blend you know that japanese samurai movie style with hip-hop there's like two well but it's here is the two at least there's two i will take the two (laughs) that's that's more than none oh i was lying i was lying there's so much more there's so much more wow awesome uh i uh wu-tang clan totally made sense for this for me totally and you know that bumps us up but let's see if we can round it all out it's time for the super secret not so secret bonus point is there an amv to evanescence bring me to life for a samurai shampoo what do you think beck I think it's a yes. They have life. They're constantly being brought to it. It makes sense. (laughs) Of course, of course, of course. uh, There are several AMVs to Bring Me to Life by Evanescence for Samurai Shampoo. Honestly, color palette wise, it is kind of interesting because it's very sepia. It doesn't That's because you haven't seen enough of the anime. (laughs) Oh. Uh, There are some very dark darkly animated things heck i even feel like just that scene with uh in the cave would really work with the fireflies mm-hmm. but regardless you 100 get that point for the super secret bonus round as an episode we get our four as a as a unit you get your three Woo. 
which means that you still complete the AMV game for the week. And that means <laughs> with that, we are done as well for the week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your time here today. Yeah, it was great. Early technical <laughs> issues aside, I'm glad we were able to make things work out. Oh my it's gosh, ghosts. yeah. It was me. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but with all of that, uh, we obviously hope you had a good time, a fun time, a shampoo and complitioner time. <laughs> <laughs> Does so shampoo good. mean anything? Before oh, we it go. Means, it means it's essentially like to mix. So the name is essentially Samurai Remix. Mm. I love that. That's Which, so like, works, cute. You know? okay. yeah, Not yeah. cute. It's essentially Samurai Remix. It's cool. Yeah, but uh, totally that said, I hope you have an understanding of the name time. <laughs> 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 and a fun flying squirrel time. But after all that that is all the time that we have for you all this week and until next time we hope your wait isn't a kawaii disappointment i've been pj and i'm hungry sleepy i mean skylar and i'm beck all right bye everyone bye Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Pod. On Facebook, you can also find the official Kawaii Disappointment group where you can interact with us as well as other fans of the podcast. Or go to our website, kawaiidesupod.com, for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. That's K-A-W-A-I-I-D-E-S-U-P-O-D.com. Spread the word about us, and if you feel so inclined, leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. 